Hey folks, and welcome to Learning to Serve, the podcast that explores deeper learning in Christian schools. I'm your host, Krista Wallace. Let's dive in. All right. Well, I've been looking forward to this week's interview with Dan Behrens and Stephen Levy. Uh, We three have partnered together to put on the Christian Deeper Learning Conference over the last four years. Um, And today we talk about the backstory of Christian Deeper Learning how we got started, and some of the folks that have inspired and influenced us on this journey. This is by no means a complete history of who has been involved, and I can think of many more people that didn't get mentioned in this interview, people like Tim Van Solen and Danae Lemoyne and Sarah Espinosa, who have served on the conference committee and really shaped the content for the conference. Uh, We also talk about the deep hope for Christian deeper learning. I've included a referenced white paper in the show notes, uh, so let's join in. Hmm. All right. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome to Learning to Serve podcast. This is a huge honor uh, to have you on this podcast today. And really, we're, we're going to be talking about the backstory of Christian Deeper Learning. And um, the three of us uh, have been pioneers in this for the last several years. But Dan, in particular, um, can you tell us how you got connected to deeper learning and, and what's what's your story to this? Thanks, Krista, for having me. And uh, as I was preparing for this, I started to go back and back and back and thinking, what, what fueled this passion in me um, for so many years? And I realized growing up, I was a learner. Um, one of my most exciting days when my would be when my mom would come home from the grocery store with a new golden book encyclopedia. And um, I would sit down and read through it <laughs> and uh, memorize stuff. Um, I started out as a special ed teacher, so very much trained in a diagnostic prescriptive mode. And as I began my teaching career, <clears throat> there was an event that happened one year that I, I see as a real turning point for me. I was a fourth grade teacher teaching a reading class. <clears throat> and uh, I was standing outside greeting students coming in and I heard a couple of girls talking saying, oh, I hate this class, it is so boring. And I thought, I am a reader, I'm a learner, this is crushing my heart. Well, what was I doing? I was teaching the middle group of readers and um, I had to teach them a lot of skills and it was, a, it was a very boring class. And so I went to the faculty and I said, something is wrong with how we're doing reading. We're turning kids off to reading instead of making them excited. And so that of course led into um, leading a committee, then administrative work, um, working at a public middle school, large. We set up an at-risk program, saw a lot of disengaged kids. My heart would break for these kids, <clears throat> um, really not getting a fair shake at life. Um, when I left public education, I had attended the year before a conference in Chicago put on by people <clears throat> largely out of Calvin University. Um, Steve Ryhoff was one of the hosts of that. They had a different imagination for <clears throat> what could be happening in learning, and I'm sure they were looking at networks like EL and other ones in the meantime, but challenging us, how are we distinctive and how are we engaging And those two pieces really stuck in my mind. And um, I carried that into my principalship and into my work as a curriculum director. My my overriding question was, are there schools that really get good results and at the same time engage kids? Is it possible? 
or do you just have to get good results and, and kill kids in the process with boredom? And uh, so that became a compelling question for me. And as I started to connect with other people in Christian education um, leadership, uh, Doug Monsmo one day from Edmonton called me up and said, could we talk? And we organized a meeting in um, Grand Rapids and we started to have this conversation, though later we'll come back to Doug Monsma. Doug was doing some work um, inspired by people from <clears throat> the Calvin Center for Scholarship, uh, Gloria Strong, Steve Ryhoff, who I mentioned, um, Elaine Brower, Bob Cool, and others um, who were rethinking how to do Christian education in a more engaging way. And so um, as I was working in our setting, of course, technology was exploding in the early 2000s. And I began to see the level of engagement that kids had with technology. And I really puzzled about how we could bring that level of engagement to, again, to the classroom, and at the same time, <clears throat> get good results. And so um, in moving to that time, I, I, I took a job with Christian Schools International. I started blogging on this topic. <clears throat> I um, started doing workshops on distinctiveness. I started to, do, uh, you know, had a piece of that was engagement. And I found kindred spirits in, on, of course, in Canada. Um, Doug invited me up to Alberta. I did a series of schools, um, August of 2009. <clears throat> and um, then the next year through Ontario regional PD meetings, and I discovered there were other people thinking about these things on parallel tracks. And so it became very synergistic and exciting as I ran into people like uh, Justin Cook and Nathan Siebinga and Harry Blylovin. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, uh, people in BC, Bob Cool and others. So my work at that point was much in Ontario. Um, I was asked to uh, lead a session for Hamilton District at their school with Nathan, Justin, Harry, um, invited them to present with me at the conference that fall 2011, um, <clears throat> keynoted Christian Schools Conference, Canada Conference. Um, and I looked back and my topic was flourishing and student engagement. <laughs> and uh, so uh, they were again, working on, on really cool things. I was just throwing gasoline on the fire the following year um, Nathan's dad, Ren, who had been doing PBL for 25 years in, in, in his schools, the latest being uh, Toronto District, um, came back and, and said to the group, let's go to High Tech High and check out PBL. <laughs> so they got 40 people together and they all went down to High Tech High. <clears throat> so in the meantime, I started trying to light the fire in the U.S. a bit more um, with things and um, pondering and presenting and writing. We had a conference going called Strengthening Christian Schools. Um, and, and then in 2014, another amazing turning point happened of acceleration here. Um, I was doing a workshop and um, went back to my, my table after that I was exhibiting for our software product. And all of a sudden this man appeared and said, I was just in your workshop and before I say anything, would you pray with me? So I didn't know what he was going to do or what he wanted. I bowed my head. Um, he, he, he prayed. He introduced himself. And he said, I just heard what you said about flourishing and the kind of schools that you'd like to see. And he said, I've got to have you meet my friend, Stephen. And um, 
he was relentless. I thought this guy was just maybe a flake who, who, who just happened to be a one-time thing. He called me that evening. He called me the next day. He called me throughout the next week. And finally, I said, okay, I'll meet Stephen. <laughs> so at that point, um, we have a phone call, Stephen and Joanna and I, and we talk about our work and what we're doing, and we're not sure you know, what's supposed to happen, but I didn't dare disobey, All right? So um, then um, fall comes around, and I'm going to go to the Yale conference because I see it as one, as one of the very best models for answering my question of student engagement and getting great results. And lo and behold, who is, who, who's there, of course, Stephen, but even when I was in the airport going there, I find that all my Canadian friends are turning up at the same conference. So um, I, I say to my new friend, Stephen, hey, how about if we go to dinner and we all have a great time connecting the Canadians, Stephen, Joanna, myself, and of course, Stephen is doing a significant leadership role in that conference as well. And so, um, we said, hey, where do we go from here? Let's have a meeting in Boston. And Stephen can tell you more about that. Um, hosted us um, with a number of us who are interested in deeper learning. Um, and then we re-met again the following year. Well, actually we met in, in um, some of us met in uh, Alberta at the Christian Schools Canada Conference. And um, we uh, had a conference, a pre-conference of strengthening Christian schools in, in Chicago. Um, again, a number of us met around this topic and shared what we were doing. And, um, and then basically, um, we did the same in, in the Christian Schools Canada Conference. And then um, we, um, in 2017, we had um, an innovation retreat that, my, uh, that Mitch uh, Salerno, Eric Alfson, myself put on just to gather our friends. We wondered what would happen if we gathered passionate people together for like a day and a half or two and just put them all in the same room. We didn't have any agenda. <laughs> and uh, so I invite all my friends, they invite all their friends and, um, and I got Stephen to come to that. And uh, so as we were meeting and sitting around, we, 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 we come to the point of like, okay, we need to put on a conference, a Christian deeper learning conference. And so there's the idea. And um, you know, we've had, We've had uh, conferences since. Uh, after our first conference, a significant thing that happened was um, Lynn Swanner, who was you just interviewed a couple weeks ago, uh, was at that conference and said, <clears throat> I want to replicate this for the Global Summit. So it gave us opportunity to bring a number of our people that had presented at our first conference into that Global Summit in San Antonio. And of course, um, <clears throat> then we had an, a conference next year at Legacy and then the following year at Denver. So. Um, sorry that it took that long, but um, that was really a very quick history and walk through uh, my recollection, my view of the journey with this. And of course, so many people on the journey, so many intersections and so much fun connecting friends and, um, and people I love together who are passionate about Christ, who are passionate about education, who are passionate about kids being seen as image bearers and, and being... Um, in, becoming self-directed learners. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. It's good to get the full kind of bigger picture of how this was brewing, right, over, over many years and among different groups of people and how God just kind of brought all this together at one point. So, Stephen, I'm going to ask you the same question. How did, what is your 
connection to deeper learning. How did you get connected to, to all this? Thank you, Krista. Well, um, I taught for 28 years in the classroom. I didn't have the privilege of teaching in a Christian school. Uh, half of that was at a private school and half in the public schools. Um, and toward the end of, uh, of that tenure, um, EL education uh, was beginning. They had their um, charter approved and uh, had no idea what it would actually look like if they tried to implement it. So one of the early things they did in the early years was to go and visit classrooms where they heard just interesting things were happening. They, they happen, and, and so they happened to visit my classroom um, in which uh, I believe it was a year we were studying this bike path that had just been built in our town. And we spent the whole year investigating the impact that this bike path had on our community. Um, and these were fourth graders and they wrote the first book about the bike path, um, which is now the most traveled path in all of the United States, a rail to trail from uh, Cambridge all the way out to now Concord. Um, so I began to do some work for EL while I was still teaching. Um, and then ended up working with them for the next 20 years. Um, probably worked with uh, 30 or 40 schools around the country. And, and EL had, had collected some incredible ideas and resources to really support teachers in doing the kind of work exactly that Dan described that was of high quality, that built character, that's, that uh, engaged kids in everything they did, and at the same time helped them score high on tests. Um, so they um, developed lots of tools to help teachers with uh, designing curriculum and, and employing engaging instructional practices and using assessment strategies that, that actually help students to learn um, and activities and structures that, that created cultures where every student felt like they belonged and, and character development. All these uh, EL had, had developed tremendous resources around. Um, when I became a Christian in the course of this time, uh, my wife and I began to look for a Christian school for our kids. And, and I have to say, frankly, we were disappointed. Um, although rich in chapel, rich in prayer, rich in teachers who clearly loved their kids, when we visited classroom, kids were sitting in rows, filling out worksheets, and um, it was just depressing. It didn't seem like they were at all engaged or cared about what they were doing. So, so it sort of felt like EL was rich in educational practices. Christian schools were rich in worship and love. And why can't we have both? Um, and I thought, well, it wasn't likely that God was going to convert 150 EL schools to become Christian. So I thought it might be more likely that we could help Christian schools develop a more robust educational platform and practice. Um, I had the opportunity of meeting uh, Krista at one of these EL national conferences, and Kristen invited me down to her school in the Dominican Republic called Dulos, um, which is now one of two schools, the other being New Covenant School, um, of which my wife Joanna had been principal um, in Arlington, Massachusetts, and um, of which claim to be um, using expeditionary learning or EL education practices as the foundation of, of their work. Um, 
Krista and I worked together down at Dulos for, for a number of years and, and every year, particularly one where we met at an EL conference uh, in Denver, where we just prayed together and dreamed that maybe there could someday be a Christian form of the kind of culture and character and educational practice that we had experienced in this um, expeditionary learning EL education world. Um, so that's what drew me. I mean, I, I worked for EL five years ago. I just felt a real call from God. Um, okay, it's time. You've, you've learned so much. I've taught you so much in all of your educational experiences. It's time to take this and really plant it in, in the world of Christian education. And, um, and so I left EL with not at all clear what I was going to do other than see what doors God opened. And uh, most of the doors that opened have been sort of toward this dimension of Christian deeper learning, um, meeting Dan and, and others that he talked about. Um, so that's what attracted me. And what still is my passion is, um, is uh, along with what Dan said, the engagement and the high achievement of our kids and the developing of the character of Christ. So to see that all happen in Christian schools is uh, what still draws me to this work. That's incredible. That's incredible. I do, I do remember that time uh, in Denver with you, Stephen, where we were, I believe we were having lunch, but it was just this time of going, this realization, more schools need this more Christian schools need this. And, and we began a conversation with EL to see if that was even interesting for them to, to want to kind of have an arm for private faith-based schools. And, and there was a hard no, that's not what we do. We work in public schools. And so then, and then we just said, okay, now what, God, what are you doing? We, we definitely feel you compelling us in this forward motion. So Stephen, talk about, there was a meeting that happened in Boston um, when was that? What was God stirring in your heart for you and Joanna to coordinate that? Um, who came and how have they been involved? How have they remained involved in this movement? Great. I think I can answer all those questions except for when. Like, I still have to figure out in some obscure connection ways, like even how old I am when I have a birthday. So I'm, I'm just, I don't live very well in time. I'm much better in space. So, so I think it was around May of 2015. Thank you so much. No, Dan, Dan says no. When was it? December 2014. Okay. Uh -huh. Thank you. Uh, that's why we need each other. I have a picture. <laughs> Great. Um, so the EL, which has an annual conference every year, as I recall now, um, was, uh, it was in Boston. Oh, I'm sorry. It was March. <laughs> so March of 2015? I think it was probably March. Um, nevertheless, um, my wife, Joanna, and uh, at New Covenant began to get some emails from people around our country, um, from Canada. She even got some from Australia. And these were people saying, we are coming to the EL conference in Boston. And we looked up, we Googled EL and um, Christian schools. And two schools came up, um, one of which was Dulos, the Christian school, and, and the other was New Covenant School in Arlington. And we're coming to Boston, and we just wondered if we might come and visit your school. 
And um, so this was surprising. This was exciting and surprising. And so um, we wrote all of those people. In fact, we, we scheduled, Dan, if you remember, a, a pre-conference day. So a number of people came in early so, and spent the day then before the EL conference at New Covenant School. And it was a lovely day. It was, it was as exciting to see the kids at New Covenant School and the kind of engaging work that they were doing as it was to meet each other. And, and uh, it was just so encouraging, as Dan said, to, to sort of meet others who were thinking like this, because you kind of think you're the only people. So there was a lot of energy built around that. We had a terrific day. I think maybe there were a dozen people who, uh, who came to that from Canada, U.S. I don't think any Australians ever made it. And, um, but we, we felt such synergy that we said, this is something that God is doing. We want to continue it. And so, um, you know, um, it may well be, Dan, that the conference was in December because we scheduled then a, a follow-up meeting, which I think was the one you're talking about in March. Mm -hmm. And we invited more people to that. Um, so, so, uh, three or four months later, this group met again, plus more. Now I think we had about 25 people, uh, Tim Van Solen came and, uh, and others, same people who had been at our, at the pre-conference day, plus some others. So, um, that was a full day of trying to imagine together what, um, where God might be leading us in this movement. What do we want to do? Do we want to become an organization? Do we want to become a network? Do we want to become a loosely affiliated association? And, uh, and what is the vision? What actually are we trying to achieve? Um, and that was an important um, sort of next step, I think. Um, and then um, as Dan told about some of the, the steps that followed, we met again in Chicago. And then I think we had about 45 people. Um, and then the, the meeting that Dan spoke of uh, out with Mitch Salerno in which we, the seed for our first conference was planned. Yeah. So even in the midst of all that, just there was this realization in Boston of, okay, we're not alone, right? There's, there's a there's several of us that are drawn like intensely drawn to to wanting to start something that is for specifically for Christian schools and so the three of us got together and we started our own deal we called it Inspire Ed and we thought consulting is going to be the key and then we realized nope that's not it we need to connect people we really do need to connect people and inspire them through what is already happening in Christian schools around the country and around the world. And so that's kind of when we started dreaming of this idea of, of a conference. And, um, and so we thought we're just gonna be a conference. Dan, go ahead. Yeah, another significant thing I think that happened was, um, Stephen mentioned we did significant work in Boston to describe what it was we were thinking about, but then we, when we met in Chicago, we laid out further principles and ideas with that. And then in 2016, several of us worked on developing a document called Christian Deeper Learning, uh, really a white paper on what do we mean by Christian Deeper Learning. And so <clears throat> that is available off the CASE website. I think it's on our Christian Deeper Learning website as well, but it gives a description for those who are not familiar with the terminology and, um, and how we describe um, how we define it, what, what it actually means. 
Yeah, that's great. I'll include those in the show notes as well on the podcast. Um, Dan, you are a connector by nature. Uh, you remember people's names. You remember how we're connected. What groups of people are already involved in this, in this work? And who, which groups would you still like to see connect? Oh, <laughs> lots and lots of connections possible. Um, one of the things that makes me excited is that when we have gathered for conferences, we are functioning as a big tent. <clears throat> we are not connected with any particular organization, denomination. Um, we have a, school, a range of schools that are all trying to improve their practice and become more distinctively Christian and how they engage kids. And so um, I see lots of possibilities for the future. Um, recently, Stephen and I did a blog series about eight posts describing six different models of um, how deeper learning is done in Christian education. And this isn't a definitive list or closed end list. There are others doing uh, variations on the theme, but it is, it is an area that I see um, <clears throat> gives us uh, lots of possibilities wherever a school is coming from and whatever um, way you find it best to move uh, toward these, these visions of deeper learning. So for example, um, TFT, Teaching for Transformation, is a, is a model that takes a lot of ideas from um, EL. It, it was originally, remember my, my mentioning Doug Monsma, um, they were impacted up in Edmonton by the Calvin Center for Christian Scholarship. So um, I remember, uh, you know, going back and forth with Doug very early 2001, 2002, on a document around teaching for transformation. Now that has grown into a network that continues to grow. PBL in Canada, in Ontario and BC, they have set up their own training academies <clears throat> and have been training teachers. Um, we now have two uh, Christian schools that are IB, um, three now actually. Um, and I see this as a model that will have a lot of appeal to Christian schools in an international setting where they're um, trying to work on some of those kinds of goals. Um, big picture is a, a model that allows for the opportunity to for a school to adopt deeper learning on a more limited model in terms of a school within a school concept to um, help those kids who are square pegs, don't fit in the round holes. Um, there are others that have come to us and come to our events such as Redemptive Ed who do um, similar emphasis, uh, a little maybe a little more env environmental emphasis of things. But I see so much possibility. I was just on the phone this morning with <clears throat> my friend from Edudeo. They're working in Africa and Central America. I know they've connected with Dulos. Um, they're working in Nicaragua, um, in the Dominican <clears throat> Republic. Um, we have networks of Lutheran and Catholic schools. We started to have some uh, Catholic school participation in our conference. So um, wherever the spirit leads and people are compelled by these questions, I think there's great possibility, um, you know, for us to, to do further connecting. Mm -hmm. And it's at a heart connection. It's not around <clears throat> necessarily ideology or label or, or identification. Um, it, that's all out the window. We, we connect at the heart level around our desire to love kids and have them love Jesus and serve well. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, 
last week when I was in interviewing Daryl DeBoer about teachings for transformation, we talked about, you know, what is the deep hope for teaching for transformation? And <clears throat> I'd like to ask you the same question. What is, what is your deep hope for Christian deeper learning? Uh, what impact do you hope to see long-term 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Um, and is there a story of impact that you would want to share? You know, I think I would want to see every Christian school examine their practices and to see which ones they have simply adopted or co-opted from others around them that are not rooted necessarily in Christian thought, to examine their pedagogy, um, to examine their assessment practices, to see um, the opportunities in curriculum design to connect faith and learning. And so whether you adopt a model or not, um, you know, start to re-examine and reflect would be my challenge to schools. If you need a more structured approach, then by all means adopt TFT or go to see one of our PBL schools or um, move in the IB direction or big picture. You know, um, it depends on your own leadership capabilities um, with things, but I would hope that 10 or 15 or 20 years, this is common practice now, instead of being um, more unusual practice. Maybe Krista, we can work ourselves right out of a job. I mean, that would be great uh, <laughs> if, if, if that could happen. Mm -hmm. um, I just want kids to love learning. I want them to love Jesus. And I don't want anything we do in our schools to discourage faith because as teachers, we have a powerful calling and we are either encouraging, I think, or discouraging faith by our pedagogical practices, by the way we model, by the way we think about things um, from a godly mind. And so that is my heart that um, we have such opportunity because in Christian education, and Stephen and I have both been in public education and can attest to this, but in Christian education, we get to deal with the whole, um, the whole person, every, every part. We are created spiritual beings. And so our, our worship is directed by people around us, people we admire like our teachers. We will become like our teachers. And, you know, if we see Jesus coming out of teachers, and that's not being hampered by bad practices uh, in discipline, in pedagogy, um, but, but it's being encouraged in the right ways. Um, wow, what a fantastic opportunity that we have. I think we have the models now um, of really outstanding education, educational practice combined with the, 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 the story of the world, God's story. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, you know, as, as the founder of Dulos Discovery School in the DR, it makes me so happy when I see our students going into education, when I see our graduates moving into special education or elementary education or even ed educational administration, because I know that they are taking this model wherever they are, wherever they go in the world, they're going to be taking this and implementing these ideas in their school, whether it's public or private or faith-based or not. And so I, I love that, that, Kids want to continue to teach, you know, 
that school wasn't boring, that school wasn't this place that they want to avoid, but they want to stay in this because this was life-giving to them. And I think a piece of that, Krista, is really honoring the image of God in each, each child. One of the aspects, Krista, I think is really compelling in deeper learning is how we view the child. To elaborate on, on, on that point a bit further, one of the things I find most compelling is the view of children as capable and seeing them as people and seeing them as curious and creative and giving their learning responsibility for learning to them, sharing that responsibility. It's not a superior, inferior, I'm the, I'm the adult, I will tell you, I know better than you, but it's a guiding in a loving way. It's, it's giving them opportunity to really um, explore who God has made them to be, what gifts he's given them, what call he's placed on their life, and helping them find opportunities to express themselves and to express that service, and, and which, is, which is our spiritual worship back to God. Agreed. Agreed. Stephen, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Dan. So in your opinion, what is the heart of Christian Deeper Learning? Uh, what impact do you hope for this movement long-term, 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road? And is there a story of impact that you would like to share? Well, I think at the heart of Christian Deeper Learning is um, our hope to equip schools to be faithful to their mission statement, um, which always has something in it like uh, Jesus as their savior, following him, uh, serving in their communities, spreading the gospel. Um, and somewhere in, in most mission statements is the word excellence, um, which often appears in relation to academics. So in many schools, I think these are powerful expressions of what our mission and, and vision is. And yet you don't quite see the same thing or you don't see it incarnated into the practices of the school. So um, I think that's our hope is, is to help and support schools to incarnate sort of the high lofty ideals of their Christian imagination into the everyday procedures and practices in the classroom, in the hallways, in the lunchroom, on the playground, and in their homes and communities. Yeah. I, I think one, one thing I've seen some beginning, um, sc schools beginning this journey, kind of start with trying to articulate what are the qualities and character and virtues of Jesus that we hope we are forming the character like of in the image of God in our students? Actually, what are those? And, and beyond that, what do those actually look like in our behaviors? Um, what would we see if someone was, uh, uh, was being formed in the image of Christ? What would that look like? And, and this kind of leads to engaging the whole community, teachers, students, parents, uh, some cases, even community members in trying to articulate the virtues that we want to imbue every aspect of our teaching and our learning. Um, so often the beginning is coming up with some words. Um, it's not actually so important what those words are. In, 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 in teaching for transformation, it's their through lines. 
at uh, Joanna's school at New Covenant, they, they their words are the six words of Daniel, they call them, but they're courage and humility and integrity, the uh, seeker of God, teachability. I mean, these are, um, are it, um, Kevin Huinock in, in, in um, Niagara and in his schools have curiosity and compassion, collaboration, perseverance, integrity, and joy, I love. Um, so, so naming these words is a beginning because it involves the community in the conversations that need to be ongoing about what it means to be forming ourselves or being formed, sorry, in the character of Christ. Um, so naming is the beginning. Lots of schools have named these virtues or so, but the power then is how do we get those into, uh, again, the fabric of our school life. And uh, that is an ongoing walk. And that is for teachers reflecting on those, those virtues when they design curriculum, um, when they think about what kind of instructional practice shall I use or what, what is important for me to assess. Those are the words that we meet about in our community meetings and we give each other feedback and we reflect, how are we doing with humility? We honor others who we see heroic manifestations of teachability or of collaboration or of integrity. And we have room to apologize when we realize we've let down um, and we've, we've, we've sinned against uh, our fellows by, um, by not having lived up to those virtues and to, to make apology in a community. And those are such powerful builders of a culture that is growing together as a community of Christ. Um, so uh, that and then um, developing a common language, not only around the character qualities of Christ, but around um, here's what good reading looks like. Here's the qualities of good writing that we all ascribe to. Um, here, are, um, here are the principles that we think about and the template we use when we design curriculum together. So, so building that common understanding, common vision, and it's not that there's not lots of disagreement, it's just that there are structures built into the leadership of the school and, and of, the, of school meetings that ensure there will be an ongoing conversation. And I think that's where the life of it is. It's not like, okay, now it's done. It needs to be ongoing and there needs to be structures that support that and there needs to be a community where it's safe to have hard discussions and, and, and conversations about places where we have differences. I agree. I totally agree. And I think it's, it's really cool when students themselves use this common language, especially after a celebration of learning. Uh, one of our former staff, Sarah Espinosa, who's on our leadership team with, with Christian Deeper Learning now, uh, she would lead the post celebration of learning with our students and we would gather in a huge circle and basically it was just shouting out hey because because after the morning after students could go around and see the work that all of the entire school had had worked so hard at uh, and then they would give each other shout outs just very specific details I noticed this and I noticed that and I want to congratulate you on this and so there's this language uh, and appreciation among students of how hard you have to work to create excellent work, right? And then on the emotional level, one of my goals is in too often in our schools, 
our, our students don't really know what's happening outside their school, right? And, and one of the beautiful things that, that Christian Deeper Learning does is it invites the outside world into what's happening, not just to be informed, but to be, to be a blessing, right? To make a difference in that community. And, um, and that's, I think, what's really, really powerful. Uh, we call that service learning as well, but it's, it's learning that has a purpose. Our learning serves someone other than the people, other than my teacher, other than the people in our own classroom. And so our learning has a purpose. We're learning to serve. And so uh, just as we wrap up, um, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Uh, is there any last nugget of wisdom or a story that you wanted to share before we close? I would just say, Krista, that um, we welcome all teachers, all leaders. If you're just exploring, if you've got that burning question I had, just come, experience it, connect with other people. We think you'll you'll love the people that show up. They're positive, forward-looking, hopeful people who love kids. Um, come to our conference. Our conference we hold simply for encouragement. Um, because with many different models, we want to stay together as Christians and encourage each other and say, how's that going for you? And whether you use this model or this model doesn't matter as much as the fact that we're all united to do what God calls us to do in the field of education. Um, so I know you're going to get more information about our conference, but that's really what we want to be is an encouragement to schools, to leaders, and to teachers, and ultimately to students. Awesome. Thank you, Dan. Stephen, do you have any parting words? Um, amen. And, um, you know, I think one of the exciting things about this, I'll, I'll just call it a network of schools, is how much we learn from each other. We, we don't have like an educational guru who's uh, pronouncing, here's what Christian education should look like. Um, um, but we learn a lot from each other. And, and if we as, um, as, a, as a network can provide opportunities for people from different schools, maybe in the way that Dan mentioned the meeting with Mitch Salerno, where they just invited people who are really interested to come together and see what happens. I think we're a little more directed than that, but uh, we're sort of hoping to invite schools as well as individual teachers together um, and to highlight where we see really effective and powerful practices at work, where we see really powerful formational practices that are really succeeding in helping schools to, to meet their mission. Um, so if we can collect those, if we can disseminate those, if we can make what's happening in this corner of the world uh, available to what's happening in this corner of the world, then I think we've served a really important purpose and hope that you will become a part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Stephen. And I, I would even say, if possible, go and visit a deeper, a Christian deeper learning school. Go and visit, spend a day uh, from the time they ring the bell, first bell, how do students arrive to the time they leave and, and sit in several classrooms, get to talk to their administrators? How does this work and be able to see firsthand the impact that this has on students and, and families and teachers? So thank you, gentlemen. This has been an honor. You are a blessing to me and to so many others. Hey, thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I invite you to share this with a friend. 
and give us a five-star rating wherever you find your podcast. I also invite you to visit our website at christiandeeperlearning.org. Check out CDL4, the professional development that is available right now for your school staff. CDL4 offers a great opportunity to explore what deeper learning means for your Christian school. Our virtual gathering for CDL4 will be February 19th. Don't miss it. Remember this quote from Howard Hendricks, Christian education is like a bomb with a long fuse. It takes a while to go off.